Yeah. So I'm Syra. And Hi, Syra. Haley has had a lot of uh, really cool things to say about you. So we're excited to have you on today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you everyone for coming to episode 15. We have a very special guest today and her name is Pamela Price. Uh, I will let Haley do a little bit more of an introduction for her. Uh, but without further waiting, let's get into today's podcast. Yes. Um, before we get to our banter question of the day, I do want to give a big shout out to my friend Kat. Um, if, if it wasn't for Kat, I probably would not have met Pamela. She encouraged me to go to a consignment shop with her one day. Um, and in doing so, I was able to meet Pamela. So big shout out to Kat. Um, she's a good friend and yeah, just want to thank her for showing me to Pamela. <laughs> and so today's banter question, um, before we get into more about Pamela is what song describes your life right now? What song describes my life? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I've never been asked that before. That's kind of an interesting, <laughs> <laughs> a lovely day okay. by Bill Withers. Yeah. I, I think that it's a, it's a lovely day. And so that means that it's all, it's exciting, a lot of sunshine, uh, pretty much go-getter, just wonderful. Who sings that song, A Lovely Day? Uh, Bill Withers. I love how ready you were to answer that question. Um, <laughs> it just shows that you really value your life and, and yeah, you, you see what's good in, in life. So that's, I'm looking at the lyrics now. That's great. Yeah. Looks like a good song. <laughs> What's your this song, Sarah? My song. Okay, so I feel like right now, I don't know, I'm I'm in a season of feeling like there are a lot of things that I don't understand and like reasons for things happening. And so I, I think one of the songs that really speaks to, to uncertainty like that is called Heaven Knows by a band called Hillsong. And yeah. they, do you know that song? Yes, I do. Oh, I love that song. So one of the one of the lyrics especially is like, um, you know, sometimes a moment feels like a thousand years. God only knows why love is drenched in tears, but maybe that's what makes it love. Mm -hmm. And so I think like some of the hardships we look at in life, it's they're really hard to understand and they seem like there's no good reason for them. But sometimes that's what makes the mm -hmm. moment more powerful or connections stronger with the person that you're going through or the people that you're going through that moment with. So I think that's a good song for me right now. What about you? Yeah, I like that. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was flipping through a bunch of different songs trying to think. Um, but I really like the song. It's called the other side by red sun rising. I really like that song. The one of the lyrics in it is um, crawling through mud. What's the difference when you come out from the other side? So I really like that. I think that, you know, applies to my life, not only right now, but I think in a bunch of different situations throughout my life. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with that one. Just the song of victory and getting through something is what it sounds yeah. like. As, but yeah, especially when things are things are tough, you know, what what's the difference when you're literally coming out from the other side of it? So <laughs> that's no. a good yeah. point. I like that. I like that. That's a good thought. Yeah. Two good songs. I like it. You go. No, you go. Okay, I'm Haley. And I'm Thyra. We love learning. We love discovering. And we love talking. Are we experts on literally everything? Absolutely not. But how will we learn if we never start the conversation? So, we hope you'll join us for this literal journey. 
today we're very excited to have Pamela on the show. I have only met her once, but the one time I did, she was instantly an inspiration to me. With her education, work, and her new nonprofit, Priceless Dreams, she is definitely making an impact in her community. Uh, So, Siren, I can't wait to learn more from you. And I think we can uh, start out maybe from you a little bit about your background and education. Okay, so uh, my education is somewhat interesting. Uh, Initially, I started out, I wanted to be computer science. I wanted to be a coder. So I went to the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, computer science, uh, coding. After a couple of years after that, um, I switched to like business administration. I wanted to be more like a leader in that role and perspective. And so um, after I took some classes in business management, I said, oh, you know how we are at college students, we change majors maybe more than one time. So I ended up changing my major to pharmacy. So I I got a degree in uh, College of Pharmacy, University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, um, where I did, you know, my work for pharmacy, did my internship at Meyer, continue at Meyer, and then end up, you know, saying I want to do some more interesting work, um, end up auditing. Uh, so I worked for a healthcare uh, industry doing auditing and got a, a master's degree in business and healthcare administration. Um, actually, I got my bachelor's and master's in healthcare with that and, and um, did some auditing and really like doing mathematics and statistics. And most people say, ah, stats is not that interesting, right? Yeah. Well, it's very interesting to me. So I end up getting a degree um, in, in that area as well. Um, just always continuing trying to involve, evolve and just grow to learning. I'm a lifelong learner. So I end up with several degrees because um, I, I like school, you know, and so I'm probably going to go back to school again. Um, and that led me to wanting to help others and teach and tutor. Wow. That's actually, that's funny. I, my first question that I wanted to ask you was like, why do you want to help people? So that's, that's basically what it sounds like you're saying. And so I, I want to know too, if this is okay with you, as much as you're comfortable sharing, that's your educational background, but what, who is Pamela? What made you like learning in the first place? What made you want to go to school for the first things that you wanted to go to school for? What's your story? So here, here's my story. I started in elementary school. I had really good teachers. My teachers inspired me. They took out time to say, we want to make sure you learn, do well in life. You know, whatever you don't understand, come and ask us. We will come after school and help you. So from, from elementary throughout my high school, all my teachers were very caring and nurturing. Um, they really helped in many other endeavors. Um, a couple end up me and my mentor. And so it kind of inspired me to say, I like helping people. I like the way this felt, you know, the caring and nurturing and, and, and want to give back and said, I said, okay, I think I want to do that too. So, you know, even when I went to the university, my college professors was very caring. Um, and they took out time for me, helped me learn how to do research, helped me to write, publish papers. So they were caring and nurturing too. So throughout my life cycle of education, 
despite any, um, you know, my degrees or subjects, I always had somebody there from an education a professor um, helping and caring. So that kind of drove me that, but yeah, that had a major impact on my life. Just from hearing the the differences in paths that you have taken, did you have like a favorite one or did you have one that you felt like most meshed with your personality or the things that you like to do? Yeah, I had some, um, my uh, mathematics and chemistry teachers um, in high school as well as college, I just thought we had a lot of the similar personalities. You know, we like to figure things out. We were thinkers. Uh, but we knew how to have fun at the same time. Um, they love music, all types of music. I loved all types of music. Um, they like traveling. I wanted to be a world's traveler and travel as well as the academia. So I said, wow, you know, it seemed like everyone that was in the math field or science field, we just had a lot of commonality, just a lot of things in common. And that drove me to even want to help more and stay in the science area. Wow. So you really enjoyed the sciences. I did. I really enjoyed the sciences. Like I wanted to take like every science class the university had to offer. And when it came to like English and social studies, I was like, can I take only one? (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, they never seen a person that like won 80% science and then like 20% other. (laughs) Right, right. What what did other people say to you, like in like seeing your drive? Like, did you did you end up motivating a lot of people through your life from people seeing those that drive and wanting to get all those degrees in your education? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, absolutely. Because one question people ask me, they go, "Well, why do you just why are you a lifetime learner?" Why do you want to, you know, go to many universities and obtain degrees and research? And I said, because there's a lot of questions I have and no one cannot answer them. So I have a list of questions. I'm like, I'm just want to know the answer and no one can answer. So I'll just figure it out myself through classes. Wow. And, and yeah, and, and I seen also how all students are not straight A students. Some students actually struggle in certain subjects. And I wanted to motivate them and not have them feel like I'm a failure because I can't pass these subjects. So that kind of motivated me to say, let me show you how to pass this class without trying and see the methodology on how to answer any question that the professor give you. So I kind of started packaging things, different subjects, because, you know, I took all, I got like 700 college credits. So I start, I start taking all kinds of classes, mapping out from, from algebra to calc, showing all kinds of methods saying, this is how you figure things out. If you see these two letters or equations and they ask you for this endpoint, this is how you solve it. So I started getting those methodologies together, sharing with others, and it made it easier for people to pass classes. Wow. That is very inspirational because not only were you a good learner, you learned how to relay that information. You learned how to teach it as well, even if it was maybe in a less official sense. That's very yeah. good. Yeah, it was a less official because sometimes it's, it's the way people learn differently. 
-hmm. you know, sometimes you have a professor and he may teach a certain way and a method and people like, I just don't get it. (laughs) So you have to see how a person thinks and then apply it to the way they think. And I found that to be easier um, mapping the actual course to to the way they're driven or their thinking mindset. And then once you do, it just clicks automatically. But what I found fascinating is once they learn a subject that they had difficulties in, see like they don't forget it. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Way to put an emphasis on tutoring too, because I think when you are taking one course taught by one single teacher, it's hard to like get other perspectives. So that's awesome. And like pushing for tutoring and, and helping out people and like seeing other perspectives. Cause I know like, you know, specifically math and statistics, there's so many ways to look at one problem. And Absolutely. so, yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also what I did at the university, I, I kind of was a scriber. I don't know, you know, I go to classes, I take the notes, I copy them and pass it out to the whole class. Oh, and wow. I give them like, I give them like examples and I show them like what was on previous exams for the past like 30 years and with the probability of that, these same problems occurring on the next test. <laughs> I would definitely want to be in the same class as you. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 what, and what, and what, and what you do at the university, you can do it at all universities. Um, I was going to take about three years and go to different universities and be a scriber. You tell me where to go. I go, I'll take the class. I'll sit in the class. I'll audit the class. I'll do all the notes. I'll tell the professors I'm doing the notes. I'm tutoring. And then, you know, I pass them out to everybody because it is it's very helpful for people to see a different perspective. When he said this statement, this is what he's actually saying. And in this chapter, this is how it's applied. And then on the exam, they ask it this way. And that's what that's wow. what I Wow, That's in- incredible. Is that something that you chose to do of your own volition or is was it like a was that like a job that you had? I mean, not that you still can't choose it to of your own volition, but is that something you did like unasked or is that something you worked? No, I did it unasked. What I was, I call mm-hmm. myself a student advocate at different universities. When the professor teach or uh, a student, you know how in a classroom they can say this, this is a very tough subject like PCAM, physical chem. I just can't get it. It's hard to get. I, it's just hard. So when I get that feedback from students, you know, I'll audit the class and I'll say, and I'll talk to the professor and say, a lot of students struggle because of this. In this chapter, you showed it this way. No one ever gets it. You got like a, like a 10% passing rate in this area. Here's why. So I, I go, I give feedback to the professors as well. How do the professors respond to that? They love it. Really? Yeah. I talk to professors all over, all over the world. I, people will like, you know, inbox me or say something said, I hear you tutor. I hear you talk to professors. I say, yeah, what professors did you feel I need to talk to? Or what is your issue? Are you not studying or you don't get it? Or is it just something elective? So once I drill down and they tell me, I like, okay, this is what I'm hearing you say. Tell me if this is correct. And they go, yep. I said, okay, I know what it is. This is the point out of this whole problem solving when you get to step four, that's when you get lost. They go, yep. I said, this is why. Because you can't connect the third the third step you at. You can't connect it to the fourth to get to the fifth and sixth to get to the, the answer. So you kind of drill down once you hear it. I'm so used to hearing it for such a long time mm-hmm. and seeing the same type of um, 
I guess, uh, concerns that the students have in solving mathematical and chemistry, inorganic, organic, or physics, or PCHEM or biochem, you see the same, I guess, type of problems the students have. Wow. So you're also learning how to analyze their learning style and then cater to that. That's what I do. And so you guys probably have somebody like that that do scribers and then talk to the professors and I've never even heard I, of that. Nope. <laughs> oh, I can do that for you guys and get to go down there and I'll talk to the professors for you and tell them what are the pain points. I'll interview like 20 students and say, what do you know? What do you think about this class? And what, it, what which chapters are having the, the most with or what problems that you're seeing that most people can't solve? And then I'll just write out the answer and I'll tell them why they're struggling with that. And then I'll talk to the professor. Wow. That's amazing. I'm like blown away by this. Cause I, yeah, I never really? heard, yeah. Do, do you have like other scriber friends? Like, or is this kind of like you, like, do you know other people that also do this? Yeah. And oh, see, okay. now that I'm not with the universities no more, I'm sure people do it, but with mm-hmm. any job, everybody has a different skill set. There are some really good scribers, just like <laughs> some really good people who can write papers. And then others are just average in writing papers. It's the same thing. We call it scribers. So you take the notes, you listen to what they say, and you've got to put it where people can actually read it and understand what you're saying. Because huh. some people can write and take notes and people may not understand the notes that they've taken. You probably have seen that before. Yeah, oh, sometimes yeah. I didn't understand the notes that I've taken. <laughs> <laughs> you are so yeah. funny. You have to map it. You have to take the book yeah. with, with the professor. You have to say in chapter one, here are the notes, the, high, the highlights, you know, describe the, the main points. Because what, what I notice in school, and I love learning, is that people will take a book and they become overwhelmed and say, 28 chapters, so much information, and my head is going to explode, right? When the only thing you need is actually 40% to apply. The other is just added information so you can have a deeper understanding because the professor will never test you on 100% of content of 28 chapters. Mm-hmm. This, wow. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, is this interesting? Is this, does so, this make sense? This brings me to like another interesting <laughs> thing and maybe kind of like leaning towards like women. I've okay. seen a lot of, like I've seen a lot of like memes or maybe TikToks about women that talk about how they bring their 42 different color glitter pens to write Mm -hmm. down notes for whatever class they are. And they're like the most beautiful notes you've ever seen. And they're Mm -hmm. labeled correctly and they're easy to understand. And it's, it's kind of like that funny difference where I've seen women be like, well, you know, I, I'm an engineer and I was, um, all the boys made fun of me for my colorful notes, but they understood them. They know how they knew how to take good notes. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, I'm sure, sure guys know how to take good notes too, but it was just interesting to see like that, that discrepancy of the women, you know, using their glittery pens or, you know, doing different colors to really map out certain things on, on notes. I think that's, think- that's interesting. You said that because even in medical school and pharmacy school, the few that was there did that. They made, you know, they had their little color matching. I'm like, why is there so much color? Just like, 
<laughs> do like a mapping chart or something like that. Uh, they go, no, the colors, see, for inorganic, this molecule, when I got to do it, it's got to be in pink. And this molecule derived in here has to be in red. And then this molecule tell me it's a compound complex polyform. So I needed that. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so, you're, so you don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, that seems like that's a lot more work. I can tell you a simpler yeah. way to do that. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you have, yeah, any but that's cute though. Because so, what you're kind of doing is like you're analyzing things for people. Do you have any tips to for people to understand how to analyze their own learning style? Because I think there's some people who probably don't even know what their own learning style is and how to take notes for themselves. You know what? That's a good point because people don't, a lot of people don't know their learning style. Like, for example, if I asked you and I said, hey, what is your learning style, Sarah? Would you be able to say, yeah. (laughs) And Haley, I was like, what's your learning style? (laughs) Yeah. And see, and so, yeah. And so as you see, if, if a person don't understand their learning style, that's the beginning of you know, some of the challenges that they may face. So you have a certain learning style and then your professor has a certain certain teaching style and the pair does not mix sometimes. It's not a negative, it's just don't mix, right? So you're trying to take your learning style and adjust it to a professor. So what I did in my medicinal chemistry classes in my PCHEM class, when the professor put a note up there or an equation, I'll raise my hand and say, I just want to make sure I'm understanding to make everybody comfortable, right? Okay, so you said CHO plus this molecule, blah, 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 this amino acid, and then you said this polymer. And I'll say, but what about this CHO function group? How does that transfer over? And then uh, for that, you know, amino acid, because there's that's not clear. And I knew that because most people didn't understand that. So I just made it clear where he talked more through it, mm-hmm. you know? Wow. Yeah. 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 So that I did it that way. And then I would hear, you know, we all have, when we enter into a university in certain classes, there are smaller groups. So we kind of know our friends. And so say, for example, Katarine, you guys are, you know, accepted and you come in with this small group, you kind of get to know each other and you talk through things and you say, well, I'm having you know, I may not understand this. And then, Sarah, you may say, I'm not understanding this. And you, when you talk together, it's really you guys have more in common than what most students think of because they having the same um, challenge at a particular point in the class. Mm-hmm. So we have to figure out why is that? And it's not so much that all of you guys are brilliant, of course. You're there, you're majoring. You're just Einsteins, right? So... With that being said, it's something that either the professor did not point out or doing your course of studies leading up to that class, it was a section that was not necessary, I would say, really, I would say that was able to be interpreted in the way that you need to understand it. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And Um, This is an example that like, I kind of hold close to my chest, but a reality for me was that I actually had to take Calc 1 twice. And the first time I took it, I took it at, I took it at two different schools. I went to one school and I I took it. I thought the professor was really nice. I went to her, her classes like after hours for, for tutoring and different things like that. And I did so poorly. I think I ended up, I passed the class, but I think I ended up getting like a C or C plus or whatever the passing grade was. But then I took calculus again, and it wasn't like I, 
I, it was like two years later. So it wasn't like I went in like remembering, oh yeah, this is how you do that. And so, so it was kind of like taking it for the first time again. And I never went to tutoring uh, and I, I didn't struggle as hard and I got an A in the class. And so I just don't under, like, I still don't know why that was. I'm not sure what the differences were. And so it's interesting being able to know yourself as a student um, and figure out why certain things are. Because maybe if I had known that up front, maybe I could have subbed for a different class or a different professor or, you know what I'm saying? Or asked for a specific kind of help that I didn't get. Absolutely. And I agree with that because when we attending these colleges and universities, a lot of times students will give you feedback and say, this is the professor you want to take for this class. And this is the counselor you want to get because they really can tell you the things you need in what order. And mm-hmm. so all of them should be on the same level field, professors and counselors, however, is based on personalities and being able to, you know, communicate effectively to that individual and sometimes it can be just a communication gap right and then Haley I've had Haley tell me examples where some of her student friends will say you know don't take this professor but Haley actually ends up really liking the professor oh yeah yeah I've had and and vice versa (laughs) right right yeah 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 so what they're doing is they they're basing that on their personality and how they interpret information. They don't, they're not basing it on your personality and how you interpret information. So what I, what I tell people at universities, do not tell people that not to take a class. What you do is you say, this is where I struggled and maybe you will not because you may be stronger in this particular area. So I kind of like try to um, challenge people to communicate in a way not to deter people from certain classes or certain things because of their challenges. That's good. That's yeah, good I think advice. that's great advice. That, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been at a lot of universities. I've seen many things. And so I kind of, I kind of, I've, I've seen trends because of stats, you know, from a statistician standpoint, you look at trends, you look at the problem areas. One of the things that I really would like to work with university students and Katarina and all, it says, you know what, why, why do people have, in general, no matter their background, no matter what their GPA, whatever, have a problem in this area? Because <laughs> I see certain areas, no matter how much, you know, good high school or college prep classes they had, they just seem to struggle in certain classes. Mm-hmm. The question is, yeah. why? Because why? they're all brilliant, you know, you guys are all smart. Mm-hmm. And so what is it? So I have not figured that part out because that's that's a lot of uh, research on that. So yeah. if you if you like the sciences and that was an area that you felt really messed well with you, what are some areas that you maybe didn't like as much as you thought you were going to? Well, I, I didn't like like history and social studies. I'm like, oh, my God, just, you know, bored me to tears. And can I like sleep through the class? Um, <laughs> but now that I'm older I can't get enough of social studies in history. And I think because at that point in time in my life, in my teens and twenties, I mean, you're not, you're not really, I wasn't really exposed to like history majors and people that's really into history. And I thought, what's history? Okay. That happened in the past. So uh, I got to go figure out this next formula. So it was just a mindset. 
and not having the exposure to people who loved history and why and listen and have that dialogue with them. Wow. So, so do you, because of that, do you think you could almost love everything now if you're exposed to the right people that love it and, and you take the time to learn about it? I think to a certain extent, I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's based on what, first of all, you, you like and you're comfortable with. And second of all, you know, can you really see what the importance is of it and how does it apply to you? Because a person can be just thrilled about history and tell you all the history and they'll be like, yeah, but how does that apply to me? And all those dates, <laughs> you know, I'm not really into that. World War One bore me. Yeah, that's such a good point because I was exactly the same as you. I was very like STEM as a kid and like I loved the science and I loved math. And when I was in grade school, I really thought history was very boring. I had some some teachers that did an okay job because maybe they were funny or whatever the case was. But um, it wasn't until I had to take like an early American history class in college and learning about how the people in this country or overseas and their choices and their actions have affected me um, that was what made it so much more relevant and so much more important. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was eating up the stories that I was hearing in this class, but exactly because I, I think as human beings, the base is that we want to know, like, how does this affect us? Yeah. And you know, what's mm-hmm. in it for me. And even if that's not like a, we don't, we don't mean it in a selfish way. We want to know how this is relevant to us. And I think once we, we find that, even subconsciously, it's so much easier to digest that information. Absolutely. I mean, that you're spot on. That's such a valid point. And, and it's all about the communication, right? How effectively can you communicate to one another to have them have that le- level of understanding or having a pressure, uh, that, that passion for things, or having um, the drive to want to know or be engaged. And so... Um, I, I think it is. Uh, so I want to get more into so what you're currently doing now. So when I, you know, when I visited you um, at your consignment shop, Price of Streams, um, maybe you can talk a little bit about um, the interview, the interview practice room that you had in your shop, okay. um, stuff like that. And and overall, I wanna, I also want to know where where do you come up with all of these ideas? <laughs> where does your creativity and your and your confidence to do all of these things stem from? Oh man, you know, I, I just have a passion. I really love people. Yeah. And I want the best for people. And everyone I meet, I want to be able to uh, work with them to to help them develop their passion and to know how to move forward. Because you can have a passion, but you may not know exactly how to navigate, control, or drive. You know, a lot of people say, I want to do this, but I don't know where to start. Right? Mm-hmm. So so when I work, like right now, I, I work for an IT company, Oracle. I don't mind saying it because I love the company. And, and so when I was there, I was like, oh, my God, there's so much to learn, so much to do. There's a lot of passion here, IT, love it, sciences. And then some of my coworkers were like, well, I don't know what to do with this client or I don't know what to say to this or have a structure. And I said, you know, I hear that across the board, not just at 
a job, but maybe as a student, you may want to do something or proceed something or get something you probably don't know how to start. So I said, why don't I start a nonprofit to help people get to point A to point B? The driver, first of all, is when I read the stats from graduating from high school and college, I was really, really surprised. I was like, well, they can't go to college because they didn't even graduate from high school. So I said, okay, what's the reason why they didn't graduate from high school? You know how you peel those onions back layer by layer to try to figure out root causes? Mm -hmm. Because everything has a root cause of what happens. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, so why is it? Okay, so did they have not bus fare money or mail money? No. Do you know the number one reason why people drop out of high school and college? Abuse in the home. Clothes. They do not have clean clothes and they don't look like everybody else. Wow. They don't have the fashion. So they kind of picked on, they're the outcasts, you know, everybody's not running to them because they don't look a certain way or smell a certain way. So I was surprised about the college, but I do remember when I was in colleges at universities, people were not around or maybe picked on people who did not have clothing. So the number one reason is clothing. So I said, I'm going to have a nonprofit. I'm going to have clothes I give away. Some clothes I sell for, you know, the operational aspect for it. And I want people to feel comfortable going to school. So I'm going to provide, you know, not only clothes, but school supplies and laptops so they can fit in with their peers. It's important for peers, you know, for people to fit in with their peers because it can be self-esteem issues and lead to other issues. Yeah. So that, yeah, you see, you seen that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I Is it? So I said, if I can help high school um, kids graduate from high school, but not only that, I want to take it one step further. I want them to get into the college of their choice or university, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. So what I'm starting now I have in the works is when you in the seventh grade, we want to start working with you to make sure you're going through school and achieving learning. And then when you get into ninth grade, start thinking about what college or university you want to attend. And then I'm going to contact the college president or the deans and let them know I have a student that's interested in attending their university or college. So we can start having a pathway to say, if you meet this criteria, because sometimes you have college preparatory classes and, and things and programs that if you meet this criteria, you are you know, you can grandfather in or accept it based on your program. And they have that with a lot of universities and colleges today. And with that, I took it one step further. It comes with a scholarship, a full ride. Oh, wow. So whatever school you want to go to, let's start it. Let's start. And another thing I found out was the reason I started this nonprofit for um, high school and college students is because sometimes you don't know what college university you want to go to. You know, you think you like a big university, you get there, you're like, I want something smaller. Or sometime you're like, I wanted to be a math major, but you know what? I don't think I want to go to this university for being a mathematician. So it's just different things. So I wanted students to be able to travel to different universities and college to get a feel of campus life so they'll better understand what college university they want to attend. Right. 
Because how do you really know? You just go to high school and you say, oh, based on TV or friend, I'm going to go there. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's so important. Do you have um, students give who are part of this program? Um, do you have them leave you feedback or, you know, tell you how their experiences are and things like that? Yeah, well, I didn't start them from attending college yet because COVID came. I've been with this nonprofit for three years and then a year, it's been a year and a half, COVID came. So right when I was implementing a program for them to do the college tours, COVID came. Mm. So now that when COVID is officially over or whatever the criteria is for COVID, I want to contact the universities and start the touring. Okay. I think it's important that, that, that kids do, the students do tour colleges. I think that's a big deal. How do you find out about these students? Do people tell you about them? Can they reach out to you directly? How do people find out about you? Well, it's interesting. People find out through me through social media and also um, word of mouth. Word of mouth seems like it's faster than advertisement. You ever hear something and it like goes through <laughs> the whole university faster than what the newspaper said within the university? <laughs> so it, it, it really word of mouth is I found is so fast. So when I talk to the superintendents of high schools or any principals, they call the other peers, they call up other superintendents or other teachers and tell them. And then when they talk to moms, mom tell other moms. So it's kind of like a domino effect with that. And then if I'm in a store and they overhear me talking to a student and then the cash years or the manager say, can you give me your card? Cause I want my student to be involved. So I kind of like pass out cards every time I'm at stores. <laughs> so it gets through that way. Okay. How do you choose which students ultimately get to be a part of this process? Because, I mean, I'm assuming you can't choose everyone. I cannot choose everyone. And what I go through is that we have a series of questions we ask these students that's friendly. And based upon that, you kind of get a feedback on what they is like. For example, you said, okay, so like, here's a typical question. What is, what are your interests? Oh, my interest is mathematics. Oh, great. You're mathematics. Okay. So are you, you, you want, have you ever thought about what university you want to attend to, um, to major in mathematics? And they'll go, yeah, I'm thinking about this. Or one would say, I really don't know what I want to do in college, but I want to go to college. So it's like a variation. I need to hear a driver to say that they want to move forward, graduate from college or have be in a particular program or a certain job which require college. Because one thing I've learned, I cannot drive a person to go to college, no matter mm-hmm. what trinkets you put in front of them. Oh, yeah, you, we have a pathway for you to get into this university, a full ride, full ride scholarship. It doesn't make them want to go or be an A student. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it goes back to that passion that we were just talking about. Like, if you don't like history, then you don't want to study history until you like history. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully, hopefully they end up liking history one day. Yeah. But yeah, but right now, if, yeah, can't do much. I yeah. think that's so great. Yeah. I think I, I, I love your I love your motivation for doing it, doing all of this. And I don't know. It sounds like you're going to make some some great things uh, happen. I know, and I want and I want to tell you about Price's Dream just a little bit. I kind of like deviated with further north, but we do have a room we call the interview room. It's the gold room. We call it twenty four karat gold, like (laughs) Mars. So it's a twenty four karat gold room. And what we do is we allow students, high school, college, 
post-grad um, to come in there and we show them, depending on your industry, you know, interviewing techniques. Because if you're a social worker, this is a technique they use for interviewing. It's different than an architect or culinary arts. You know, all of it has a premise or foundation, but it is the higher level that gets you into the place what you want. And by me working across many different industries, I kind of have an understanding of what the companies are looking for because I've worked in the you know auto industry before General's Chrysler. You know, I worked with financial institutions, I work with governments, I work with college and universities. So my industry span is far and wide and broad where I can have an understanding. Wow. That's pretty cool. It's yeah, it seems like all of your experiences that you gain, you're then using them to make choices in the new experiences that you take part of. So that's really neat. You're thank you. And that's very well stated. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right. Where are uh, we? Go ahead. Haley. Oh, I was just going to ask if you wanted to tell us a little bit about the 2020 Marquee Who's Who award that you got. Oh, yeah. Well, I received the Marquee Who's Who and they called and they said, I'd like to speak to Pamela Price. I said, of course, as natural speaking. And they go, well, we're Marquis who, who? I said, yeah, I know who you are. I read everybody in all your books since 1980. <laughs> she said, well, actually, we've been around since 1905. <laughs> wow. And I said, great. And they said that they got my name from somewhere, some, for someone. They didn't tell me who it was and that I was highly uh, regarded and they wanted to interview me. And so I interview with them. They go, okay, we find that you would be a, a great fit for Marquis Huzu and that we would like to publish you. So, um, so I went through that and they published me. So now if you pull up Pamela Price, you can kind of see uh, my background and who I am. Great. We'll have, yeah. to, we'll have to link it. Uh, we have like a document that we can link yeah. different things. So we'll have to get yeah. that to people. Yep. Yeah, we and it, on your website too, so we'll link to pricelessdreams.org as well. Oh, thank you. And then I just received an award for Women Executive Leadership. They're going to publish that for Marquise Hufu. Oh. And yeah, I'm, matter of fact, I'm looking over the write-up and uh, it's going to be um, on there. I'll be the cover for the, your next magazine. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then yeah. I... And then I'm going to be a speaker. I got to uh, reach out to CEO leaders. Mm -hmm. um, I'm affiliated with the Detroit chapter where CEOs um, and executive leaders meet um, to discuss today's issues and challenges with a variety of subjects. So I'm going to be attending not only there, but looking forward to be also a speaker. Oh, great. You have to keep in contact with us on all these things. We would love to post oh, and, you know, and, and get all this stuff out. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> lifers. And I love you guys. Lifers. <laughs> you guys are lifers. And I do want to partner with you guys. And I appreciate yeah. all the feedback, you guys, because anything I can do to help either one of you or the students or Kettering, you know, I'm there for you. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Yes. Thank you. I wish I, I just recently this, you know, in May, it was my last semester of school has ended. So, but I really wish I had known that you were, 
you existed on this planet before that because you would have definitely been such a good resource during yeah. college. And, scribing yeah. for Syrah. Yeah, scribing and say, hey, because I would go to Katerina and say, what courses do you guys think you need scribers for? Yeah. You can't have 100%, but the ones that you definitely would think would be worth it or yeah. to speak with the professors and do exam practice of real life exam where you will, you know, have a higher chance of the minimum would be a B plus. Mm-hmm. Right. And because I'm actually, of- I'm not a Kettering student, actually. I'm in New York, but yeah, I, it's interesting to hear New that. York. Guess what? I just, I just got in an, another account in New York and they don't mind me telling you that Juilliard. I I pick up a lot of accounts and I do the IT solutions because I'm IT consultant for Oracle and I'm, I'll be going to Juilliard's pretty soon. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Wow. Will you physically be there or is this more of an physically be there? I would physically be there and I will actually be visiting Warner music group, which was one of my clients. So those two places I must go. I'll get to meet you someday. If you're in New York for a while. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. Being in New York is so big. I used to go there at the central park and then all the all the Chinatown and all those areas. I was going all the way around, up and down. They go, Pam, you tired yet? I'm no, I'm too excited being there. I just gotta go everywhere. I want to go everywhere. And then I went to the mat, uh, the museum. I love. And so, yeah, I just want to go there, spend a week, and just go everywhere. Yeah. Very cool. That's great. So I think we have maybe like two more questions for you, as long as you have time. Sure. Um, I have time. Okay. All right. Because I uh, like you guys, and I'm enjoying this. <laughs> We're glad. Um, so our next question is, what are some unexpected obstacles you had to face um, as you opened up your shop or in any other way, um, like as you were going through your career and doing things? Uh, are you saying from my nonprofit or through my career? Um, let's start with your nonprofit, like any obstacle, any like new obstacles. Absolutely. The biggest obstacle I had was finding a location. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find a location that is central to most of your clients that you want to serve, that to me is a challenge. You would think being in Flint, Michigan downtown would be a piece of cake when all the property is already taken. <laughs> so that, that, that that's a major challenge. The second challenge is once you find a location to renovate it. And you may have a budget for your renovation, but it seems like it always goes over. Yeah. So just get up and running, finding your location renovation and get up and running. It was a major challenge for me. Yeah. Have you had any, um, had to overcome any personal obstacles through these progress, through the path of progression that you've taken? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the, one of the, the things I had a challenge with, I'm full time working at a 40 hour week job, but yet trying to, you know, start a nonprofit corporation because that's uh, it's work behind it to get it up and running. And so I had a lot of nights and weekends and didn't get sleep, you know, only had like two hours of rest per night. Mm -hmm. And so that was a challenge trying to meet certain deadlines. All right. Well, I think that it w- it was very interesting to hear some of the, you know, pieces of journey. Well, actually, one of the things I want to know before we leave is what are some places you've been to and um what has been like your favorite place that you've been to? 
You know, it's it's really it's really funny because even if you go out the country, I really didn't do a lot of United States traveling. And so when I went to Denver, Colorado, I was so excited. I'm like, oh my God, I want to travel Boulder Creek. I want to travel all through Denver. Um, it's it's interesting how you can be live in a particular location all your life. And you, you're, you're just so excited to go outside your country. And then when you finally, you know, start traveling within your borders, you're like, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. My two favorite places out of all the places, and people just can't believe this, was different parts of Colorado and um, Florida. I didn't realize I was going to like Florida so much. I'm like, oh, my God, I love Tampa, Miami. <laughs> I just like Orlando. I actually, I'm so motivated. I'm looking for property down there to have my um, summer, well, winter home there. Oh, wow. Wow. What did you like about it? Well, first of all, the weather was just perfect all the time in Florida. Second of all, it's so easy to find not only a home, but a person, if you want to build a home, they got like a long line of people literally saying, I'll build your home. It's easy to get that. Third of all, I, I, I like the different types of food that they have and preparations. And, and I like like West Palm Beach. I just love the, just the water, all the water and the boats. I'm like, oh my God, I can go anywhere, go to Miami, <laughs> just go to the Caribbean. You know, it's just a central place. I thought a central place to do many things. Right. Uh, so our last uh, fun question to, you know, have fun, but like take seriously, you know, <laughs> um, if you were on Dancing with the Stars, which Ooh. celebrity would you pick to be your partner? <laughs> oh, Dancing with the Stars. Ooh, I? John Travolta. <laughs> I love John <laughs> I'm like, I want him. I want him as my partner, even though he's not a professional dancer there. I just think he's the coolest guy ever after Saturday Night Fever. Right. Cool. I followed him ever since. <laughs> yeah. As nice. like a five-year-old, it's hard not to have a crush on John Travolta in that movie. As <laughs> oh, my ever. God. He was like the coolest person. And he's still cool to me. So, yeah, okay. I would like that. That's a good question. Nice. You guys got it's some funny. really good questions. We try to keep it fun. We try to. Yeah. <laughs> You do. You keep it like so fun. You guys are so inspiring me to think about some other ideas just talking to you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's funny that you brought up John Travolta, though, because recently um, I had a conversation with my husband. His name is Owen. And he we, we were watching John Travolta. And I can't remember what, what movie it was, but it was more recently John Travolta. So he was a little bit heavier. And, you know, he not, is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily like the, the heartthrob character that he was. And my husband said something about John Travolta that was like not very flattering. I'm not sure exactly what he said. <laughs> but then I, I was like, no, you got to understand, like, this is who John Travolta was. And he had such a hard time, like, getting behind the idea that he was this heartthrob. But I think once you, you've known him and, like, have, yep. have grown up seeing mm-hmm. that face and, like, those yes. moves, 
then yeah. then you look at him now and you're like, yeah, that's the same guy. He's still like exactly. Okay. That's what I said. He's still not the same. He still got yeah. that. He still have a lot of charisma. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Haley girl? Oh, so when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, who could I have the most fun with? And that we would probably win. <laughs> and so I would oh. pick I would pick Jojo Siwa. <laughs> oh yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love Jojo Siwa. And so we she's an incredible dancer because she was on Dance Moms and she has the most fun moves, did the most fun dancing, yeah. and she's just fun. And I think it would be a great time. <laughs> Wow. Haley Haley told me that she wasn't going to tell me her answer in advance because she was going to surprise me. And I have to say, you did not disappoint, Haley. I'm very surprised that (laughs) that is who you chose. I think my person. So I had a couple. I had two people that I thought. um, And I I went the same direction with Haley at first. I just thought, like, who would be so much fun to be on Dancing, Dancing with the Stars with? And I'm not sure if this is like a stereotype, but um. I don't know if you've seen How to Get Away with Murder. I have. Do you remember the character Tegan Price? <gasps> well, the only reason I do, because that, that was my last name. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tegan Price, She. I also went with a, with a woman at first because I thought, yeah, it would be so much fun. And I don't know if it's a stereotype, a Hispanic woman knowing how to dance well. But that's what I thought. I thought we would have so much fun and we, we'd probably win. But then I also thought uh, Lee Pace is like a maybe a lesser known celebrity, but he is someone I think is absolutely fabulously gorgeous. And I thought if I'm going to meet a celebrity, I might as well meet one that I think is <laughs> <laughs> like my John Travolta is Lee Pace. Oh, John is just so awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, great. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Pamela, for coming on. And it's been, yeah, Haley did definitely described you well when she said that you were very motivating and um, someone very interesting to, to listen to. So we, we appreciate you taking your time out. We, we like to tell uh, our guests, you know, that we really enjoy talking to. This is not the, a one-time thing. It doesn't have to be. We would love to have you on again sometime and go in more specific. Oh, I'd love to. So yeah, let's keep those lines of communication open. We really do appreciate your time. Yeah, uh, just call me and I'll keep the open lines because I love, I probably know this, I love talking, but <laughs> I just like people and, and I just love talking about my passion and listening to other people's passion as well. So Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you all for listening. Um, Haley, did you want to say some closing words? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thanks again, Pamela, for coming on. Um, It was great having you. Um, General podcast info. Sarah and I are trying to increase our increase our social media status. Okay. Uh, Get the the podcast out there. So, uh, I mean, if you're listening to this, go like our Instagram, our Facebook page. pay attention to the things we have, um, in our podcast descriptions, um, wherever you listen, they'll have the links, the literally actually link page on there. Um, and reach out to us if you have any feedback, uh, we would love to hear it. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for, for podcast info, I think. Yeah, and if you want to be a part of the podcast, you're a woman in STEM, that's the demographic that we're 
focusing on right now. So please let us know if you would love to be a part of the podcast or let us know if you know someone Mm -hmm. who you think would love to be a part of the podcast and we would love to start those conversations. So thanks again, listeners. Thank you, Haley. And thank you, Pamela. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Bye, everyone. Bye.